filibuster received sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. today uh, mls had some um some news that i can't help but describe as hilarious um i think uh so taylor twelman was really the one that did the news itself was not that hilarious it was just real salt lake announced freddie juarez was their new head coach he had been in the interim coach um but it was the details that taylor twelman was privy to that really took it uh to a special level um i'm just going to read uh twelman's quote uh or twelman's quote quote <laughs> Um, I'm going to quote the word quote was in my head the entire time and it wanted to come out at some point. Um, and it awkwardly emerged. Um, Twelman quote quotes are definitely quotes. Here's, here's the tweet, not quote. Um, Jason Christ was offered the job and sources tell me that his counter offer offended the decision makers leading to the offer being pulled. Uh, Freddie did a job last year and deserves the chance, but how difficult is this task? And, as Twelman often ends his his sentences, he ended with the question mark exclamation point, which I think is an actual. It's actually the, an accurate the, portrayal of how he often uh, ends his statements by the interrogation. He yeah, he types uh, like he yells. He he wants to bring some emotion to it. Um. So, so yeah, uh, Jason Kreis would have been a terrible mistake. RSL offered him the job. Uh, and if I'm not or mistaken, a job from so, from what. Uh, Sam Stachel, uh tweeted as an addendum to this. Uh, it may have been coach and GM, um, and, and he somehow negotiated Christ himself to made, no offer and offered a made a counter offer that was so egregious <laughs> that Ray well, Lake like- said, "You know what? We're going to pull the whole thing. We realize now that we've made a mistake." Um, well, and wait, I just I think it's worth pointing out that there was a middle step there. It wasn't just we want you to be our coach and GM to. And, you know, demanding so much money that they they pull the offer. It was not that. Uh, Stayskull's, um tweet, not quote, I guess it is a quote. quote. It's a, but either way, adding All to this, I told that the offer was initially for Christ to be both coach and GM, but it eventually progressed for him to be sporting director and Juarez to remain as head coach. Sources tell me that was where things stood when discussions broke down. So Christ negotiated his way out of the head coaching job. Yeah. And into the sporting director job, I assume he wanted more money to only work on Tuesday afternoons, and that's where talks fell down. I but um, I, I, I don't know. This is such a weird thing. He negotiated himself to less and less responsibility. And, and the the kicker is that you like get the same money. Why not? Yeah. R- RSL up, RSL ended up backing into the better hire. Um, Jason Christ for the last few years in his last few jobs with within MLS and with U.S. soccer, did badly uh, over and over again, like demonstrably badly, um, does not appear. There's nothing indicating that he has taken some uh, opportunity where he would learn more and come back as a better coach. He's just continued to apply as the person he's been. Um, Freddie Juarez last year uh, took over right after Mike Petke was fired 
in in another awkward incident because if you remember that one, RSL suspended him for two weeks and then we're like, oh, we're not going to fire him. And then they decided to fire him um, again, getting it right. Just in the stupidest process, uh, yes. the path they t- take to get there is always it's like Mr. Magoo almost. Um, for those of you who don't remember what Petkey did to get himself fired, uh, you can either trust us that it was real bad and firing him was the right decision, the only reasonable decision, or you can go look it up because it was well-documented. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so Juarez took the team over on short notice, um, went seven wins, one draw, four losses. They went from the playoff bubble to third place. They won a playoff game. Um and this was someone that they weren't going to hire after that success with with their roster and have and with years of experience in the organization they were not going to hire him they were going to hire Jason Christ instead until Jason Christ whatever he asked for um, i would love to find out and maybe we will cuz things seem to things about things going on with Real Salt Lake seem to get out to the public um, in ways that other teams do not um so uh, maybe we'll find out what comically ridiculous thing he asked for that ruined it for him and but saved rsl at the same time um can i jason can i just dunk on jason christ just a little more Uh, yeah for it man jason christ uh replaced adrian heath as the second head coach of orlando city sc and uh adrian heath had 44 points in his first season as orlando city coach and then in the three seasons of which jason christ was at least partially head coach because he survived a half a season a full season then a half a season they went from 44 to 41 to 39 to 28 that's orlando over a full season a full season yeah over two years they that was their there was their pull so uh i'm actually weirdly i'm going to call an audible preemptively for later in the show we're Jason Christ's name is going to come up again. Um, but anyway, hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United, and Dunking on Orlando City podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined as always by Ben Bromley, Jason Anderson. We are all from blackandredunited.com. We talk a lot about DC United. There's not a lot of DC United to talk about tonight. We're going to try to talk about DC United, but mostly we're going to talk about some other stuff. Uh, we do have a nice big swath of cake or death uh, season reviews to get to at the end of the show. So we'll, you know, walk you through to that point at least before we do anything though, Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, so I'm not drinking an Oktoberfest. <gasps> not drinking the same Oktoberfest. You may be drinking a different. It has been some, some weeks since I drank the Oktoberfest in question. Um, then there were several other varieties of Oktoberfest. I think um, there were only two varieties, and there were Jason. Those are called sips. only two they're individual not, beers. They're not different beers. If you have no. a different sip on a different day, it's still the same. Beer. I, I understand that you guys don't understand uh, what I've been talking about this whole time, but the I fact is that they were all too well. Many many brands of Oktoberfest. Uh, however, last it's night I drank the last one. Do this. Go back and listen to the last five weeks of the show and tell us how many brand of Oktoberfest Jason has had. Don't, don't I, tell I, people it's the same beer. In how to find no more the than... end of the maze. No, you, it, it's if it's my maze, you're stuck at the end and you can figure it out from there. I'm not helping you. I'm not going to tell you the rules. Good luck. Um, 
In any case, I drank the last Oktoberfest last night. I did not have time to go get more Same beers. One. So I'm drinking different one, different company. Uh, so I'm drinking a uh, Patron Añejo Barrel Select uh, on the rocks. Oktoberfest tequila. <laughs> Not the same. I'm not, I'm not going that far. <laughs> um, I am drinking some uh, rye whiskey mixed into Southern Comfort brand eggnog because it's okay. December. You, you pulled it back out there. I was like, Southern Comfort. Well, I, and then eggnog. They have an eggnog? Okay. Yeah, they make eggnog. They sell it in the grocery store. It's not okay. alcoholic because they sell it in the grocery store. Right. But it, it's, it's a decent like store brand eggnog. Hmm. Evan Williams makes a good eggnog as well. I've seen that, that one. Yeah, that one they don't have in the store. So it was they had this in the store brand, yeah. and then the like not made of milk or eggs version, okay. um, which made I, of hydrogenated I oils. A, yeah, I was not interested in that one. So uh, got the Soco brand and put some Whistle Pig Six Year in it that I had bought for the old fashioned bar at Thanksgiving, which was great. Um, and then just to, to really make it good i grated some nutmeg on the top oh, fresh nutmeg on top of a beverage is the most fall thing in the world and it's awesome and you should do it what'd you use oh, to run a microplane or what'd you use I, yeah i just have like a little uh, flat plane grater someone someone gave me a small bag of um actual whole nutmegs and a small uh nutmeg grinder and I oh, do wow. not know what inspired them to give me this. I had never at any point. They're a great friend. That's but, what. But yeah, so I've got, they're, they're in the spice cabinet. I'm slowly working through them when I need nutmeg. I, I Instead of, like most of the other things are just from a, like a little jar at, that you would buy at the store. But then I've got my bag and then there's nutmeg. And then there's a little <laughs> tiny grinder. And they're like, what people, well, all right. I haven't actually had guests over and they haven't seen me, but I'm sure someone will at some point be like, Jason, what is this? I'm like, you just oh. need to go to a party with it and just like start like, well, that would so just many more questions. Just nutmeg. grate some nutmeg. Just show it's up and grate some nutmeg on whatever. here to do it. <laughs> because nutmeg is the most late fall, early winter thing in the world. I grated some nutmeg on your cat, your cat. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not on the cat, but on things just you can through. do. I'm just going to walk around doing it and leaving a trail. Business. <laughs> a trail so people can find me. Trails of nutmeg. I don't know. I feel like that would turn out like the breadcrumbs in Hansel and Gretel. You just get lost in the woods, but you'd have nutmeg to sustain you. You wouldn't have Is, to eat. Am I in danger out. of being cooked? I don't want to be cooked. Yes. You I are. Mean, oh, it's you or the cat, Jason. <laughs> oh, well, too bad for that cat. I'm not, I'm not getting cooked. Ben, what are you drinking? <laughs> Uh, I am drinking a old fashioned uh, with just some good Evan Williams uh, and some regular bitters. But the twist on it this time is while I was creating all of my uh, Thanksgiving extravaganzas, I was smoking some cheese. And in the process of smoking cheese, I also smoked uh, ice. And so then I refroze the smoked ice because it had melted because that's what happens when you smoke ice on heat uh, and then it froze it into ice cubes. And so it had captured the smoky flavor into the ice cubes. And then I plopped one of those ice cubes into my uh, Manhattan and really uh, gave a great smoky flavor to my old fashioned. So you switched I highly recommend a couple it. of times you said Manhattan at one point. 
I, I if I said that, I I made a mistake. It was an old okay. fashioned. All right. Apparently, a good one too. If it's uh, causing you to forget it, um, what it's called. no, th- it's just it's almost ten o'clock. That's what's making me forget things. <laughs> ben gets sleepy. He's the youngest one of us, as he reminds us all very regularly. Um, but he's also the sleepiest. Yeah, it's true. Let's get to soccer. I, I said Jason Kreis's name would come up. Um, and I'm going to bring it up right now. It's been reported that DC United is looking for an experienced assistant coach. They obviously need some help in the attack. My question to you guys is, would you no. freak out or would you accept or would you kind of side eye? Um, Jason Christ being a DC United assistant coach because I don't think anybody's going to hire him as a head coach right now. Do not no, want. Thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Is that extreme um, side eye or yelling like the desperate housewife in the meme? Uh, maybe not. Um, to, maybe not to that extent of yelling, but you know, not that far from it. <laughs> Jason Christ is the is the uh, the the women looking at the cat, and I am the cat in the meme saying no. Yeah, it just uh, the weird thing is, I think he is going to end up getting hired somewhere because this is what MLS does. Um, if you're a, someone who has several years of a head coaching experience in MLS, invariably you seem to pop up again until you actually give up and go away. Um, I mean, Tommy Sohn went back to being an assistant and then was a technical director. Um, Robin Fraser was Tommy Stone's now a head coach again, just not an MLS. Yeah, that's true. Wait, is he, I thought he was Birmingham. I thought he was running the technical side and they had um, Jay heaps as their coach in Birmingham. No, no, he was an assistant to heaps with the revs, uh, but is now the head coach of Birmingham Legion. Okay. What's Jay heaps doing? Who cares? I thought he was in Birmingham too. Uh, heaps, heaps is the GM. They've it, oh, they swapped. They kind switched of, in a long-term, confusing fashion. Um, yeah, they morphed he, he into is, each other. He is uh, currently, I think, just the GM there. Okay. Anyway, Robin Fraser was uh, regarded as the top assistant in MLS for a long time before he got another head coaching gig. Now in Colorado. Um, so the, and and that's the thing in well. a lot of sports in the NBA in the NFL, you see head coaches who don't do great go and essentially act as an offensive or defensive coordinator or a top assistant somewhere else in the league. And then they'll, they'll eventually get another shot at head coach if they want it. Um, I don't know if Adam Jason Christ would accept an assistance role at this point. I don't know. Um, but it's, it's interesting to me just knowing that his specialty is offense and that's something that DC United needs. I don't think I love the idea, but it's something I wanted to. Adam, I've got it. We just need to merge him and uh, Caleb Porter into one human in Columbus. And then and dig then a big do, hole. Yeah. And then put some napalm on it. And then, yeah, nutmeg. we're good to go. Um, and nutmeg and great some nutmeg. Um, wait, we're not eating them, are we? <laughs> no, we're just adding nutmeg. This was yeah. your idea. Um, I mean, I said for things you're going to eat or drink, things you're going to consume, idea. put nutmeg on it because nutmeg you're is great. On the record, but not not in this case. Wanting to add nutmeg all over the place. Um, I was going to say something about the topic at hand, but now <laughs> I am stuck. So let's let's carry on as if let's, that 
Yeah. Let's move on to actual things that DC United did since our last episode, which is checking my notes. Um, nothing. No changes. Uh, the waiver draft came and went. The two stages of the reentry draft came and went, and DC United passed on all of them. Um, made no selections, which isn't that surprising uh, in 2019. Uh, I, I'm curious if there were any. I know, Jason, you wrote a couple of stories about players that might be worth taking a flyer on. Um, and I was wondering if there were any uh, any moves, any selections that that jumped out at you. Uh, yeah. Well, first of all, I was surprised that we ended up with more people taken in round one than round two, which has never happened before and doesn't yeah. make any sense. Um, right. And that's, round that's one is because, the round where you yeah. don't have any flexibility. Um, you're just you taking to... the, the, the contract as it is. You're, you're, that's what you're, you're stuck with. Um, round two is the one where you get to negotiate. Um, and yet four, four players were picked. Granted, most of them in round one, it was, it was not a lot of big names. Um, in both rounds, really. I mean, um, Juan Agudelo is the big pick from round two. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like DC could have used someone like Agudelo. Um, I wonder how much of a pay cut his paycheck was over 600 grand last year. Um, fitting him into DC's scheme and cap wise and all that stuff. I could see half that. I can imagine him saying, I don't want to take just half of my old pay rate, um, which is a pretty reasonable position for him to take as a player. So um, it definitely was a stretch. uh, But if there were a way for DC to make it work, I think it would have made a lot of sense. Um, I think with TFC, he's going to, I told um, our repeat guest, um, Rob Usri earlier tonight that um, I expect Agudelo in a, appearing often, maybe not starting 100% of the time, but appearing often role at TFC. He's probably going to put up nine goals and nine assists. They're probably all going to be critical, the game-winning stuff. And at the end of the season, we're going to be like, wow, what a great pickup that was for TFC. And I'm going to be sitting there being like, why did DC not find a way to make this work? Because if TFC can find a way, DC can find a way. I mean, Um, he's Nick DeLeon too now. That's, a little bit, yeah. That's got to be the um, expectation. Although Nick DeLeon was in the first round of the reentry draft, yes. yeah, um, and and made it worthwhile for for Toronto. Um, Juan Agudelo, whatever they get him at, even if it's only he only takes three quarters of his his former salary instead of going all the way down to half. It's if he pushes them over the top or helps give them the depth to push them over the top and get another MLS Cup, and right, and and start at multiple positions, um, yeah. In in Greg Vanny's world, where they switch formations all the time, having someone that can do that is really important. Um, yeah, having yeah, someone I, who can even do a little bit of what Josie Altador does makes a lot of sense for their system mm-hmm. too. Because Josie because, gets hurt. Yeah, um, he he scores goals and he gets hurt. Those are the right. things he does. He, he comes back when he when he comes back, he's immediately great. Um, but you never know when it's going to turn around and and all of a sudden go wrong. And having of another striker who can play back to goal. Uh, they don't play the same, but um, the same way, but it's, it's close enough where it's not a huge adjustment where you're not going from Altador to Pozuelo, for example. Um, yeah. Did they ever uh, play together on the Red Bulls. I know they both came up through the Red Bulls or were drafted uh, by the Red Bulls. I don't, I don't think know Josie if they were there. I don't the same think time. so. I think Josie was gone well before. 
Well, if you remember, Josie was drafted long enough, long enough ago, and yes, drafted, not homegrown signing, because this was before that even existed. He right. was drafted by the Metro Stars, and then that offseason oh, they right. changed right. to exactly. the Red Bulls. Um, he, he, his draft photo is him holding up an old Metro Stars jersey um, because it's ancient history. Um, he's been around, but you know, Agudelo is only uh, Agudelo's twenty-seven, even though it feels like he's been around for an eternity. He's been in the league since he was like seventeen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, they. I don't. Yeah, they never played together. It doesn't look like. Um, yeah, Josie left for Villarreal two years before Agudelo started playing for the Red Bulls. So. Um, but yeah, that's another thing. Like if Pozuelo gets hurt, they can, they can bring Agudelo in. He can play alongside Altidore. Um, these are the, this is the kind of thing I had in mind when I was talking about DC signing him is like the, the variety of things you can do with a player like that. Um, but on the other hand, you know, economically cap wise, yeah, it's, it's tough to fit someone in like that. Um, it's tough. I, I advocated for picking up Diego Valeri. I'm convinced that it would work. Um, but one, does Diego Valeri want to leave Portland? No, well, he withdrew from both rounds of the right. Um, he wants to stay in Portland. He loves it there. Um, and two, you know, if you pick him, you're getting it, it's a designated player. You're you're settling your roster for the year, basically for DC, because we know the big move for them is going to be designated player. Um, it's going to be a player that plays at Valeria's position. So you're kind of either like, do we want him or do we want another guy? Um, can we get him? Probably not. So it's not heartbreaking that they didn't take anyone, but I do, I, I kind of, my, you know, sixth sense is kind of, of flaring up a little bit over. I, I feel like Agudelo would have been a player that we would have been like, that was, that was a really good move. And, and you know, he's going to score a hat trick against us. Well, or a bicycle kick. Yeah. Well, and we'll have to wait and see what DC United does this offseason, as we say in a lot of podcasts and articles in late November, early December, even into January. But my hope is, and this is just hope based on nothing, that maybe they are transitioning into a style of player signings that is less reliant on current MLS players and more reliant on homegrown players and better scouting, better signings from overseas. So we'll see. Hopefully they have people in mind already because if they passed on the kind of players they passed on, hopefully they have people in mind because it's already early December and preseason is not that far away. Yeah. Preseason is not far away because the rumors are that uh, their first home game is going to be March 1st on the dot. Uh, well, so. let's get let's get to that part of the show then. Um, Steve Goff reporting that the home openers should be announced uh, this week, depending on how prompt you are listening to this. They could be out by the time you're hearing us talk about this. Um, he's reporting that DC United will be home for the first two weeks of the season, or at least as the schedule currently stands, and it's still in flux until it's officially announced. And yada yada yada. And it's still in flux because they still reschedule a bunch of stuff throughout. Yeah, the season. it's true. It's true. <laughs> DC United will probably be scheduled against somebody who's in the CONCACAF Champions League and they'll have to re you know reschedule that. Anyway, switch venues. They'll be home uh Sunday of the first weekend, which is March 1st. The first games will actually be in February. Um and then home again the following Saturday, March 7th. So, you know, mark your calendars for that. No idea who the opponents are going to be. 
the bigger news scheduling wise is is that uh, Nashville and Miami are coming into the league this year, bring the team total up to 26 and there will be no large scale realignment happening. Nashville is going to slot into the Western conference. Miami is going to slot into the Eastern conference. And if you had to split the two, that was the obvious way to do it, but it wasn't clear you had to split the two um, or that you had to keep the basic two division East West thing. And I'm going to get into that more than anybody cares to hear in a minute, but um, the bigger news, I think, or the the implications of all this is that for the first time ever, not every MLS team will play every other MLS team. There will be, I think, three teams that you're going to miss this year. So we don't know who those are going to be, but there will be three teams from the Western Conference that DC United plays zero times during the regular season could meet in the open cup, but only in the final because they do this geographic pairing now, or could meet in the MLS cup final, but that's it. We don't know who those are going to be. It's obviously going to affect the the strength of schedule and everything, uh, which it's, you know, we've had an unbalanced schedule for a while now in MLS, but now when you're not playing it, several teams, uh, it, it, it's a little bit more important than, happening to catch a team at home or on the road, not catching a team at all is a, a big deal. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's frustrating to me um, because I feel like there are alternatives out there. Um, Adam, Jason, I'm sure. Yeah. Go ahead, Ben. Uh, Nashville is literally more East on maps than <laughs> Chicago is. It is. It is. Uh, if you are geographically challenged, you can go look. Uh, the U S borders are actually kind of helpful um, in that the border of uh, uh, the borders of Illinois actually kind of draws a straight line, helping you visually. Uh, not that you're going to need it because it's not close that it's close, but it's not that close. Um, I care a lot less about that. Honestly. I mean, it used to be that the the Cincinnati Reds were in the NL West, while St. Louis and Chicago were both in the National League East, and that was because Chicago wanted to be in the same time, the same division as the New York teams, and St. Louis had to be with Chicago, and the Reds just were like, whatever. The Atlanta Braves were in the National League West for like forty years, okay, thirty cool, years. Cool, but, cool baseball fans. So, I mean, straight East West. It's silly, but it's it's not harmful necessarily. I mean, travel is important and everything, but it's a big dang country. Travel's going to be bad for everyone. It bothers me that they have got they. There are things that they've done in the past MLS to to make sure that everybody plays everybody at least once, and that's a big deal when you have major stars coming into the league, like trying to get them in front of everybody's fans at least once. And they're not doing it. They they have the tools. They've done it before. They've had a third division or a third conference before. They've changed the number of games. They've done different things, and they're just not doing it this time. They're just like, ah, it's too hard. Yeah, and that's that's what's frustrating me is that um, th- basically the choice that 34 games is the ideal, and that's preferred over dealing with this situation where – invariably someone's going to get a markedly easier schedule. Someone's not going to have to play LAFC. Um, Someone's not going to have to play Seattle. Um, Someone's not going to have to travel to Vancouver. Um, 
that's going to make a big difference uh, compared to the unfortunate team that's going to have to do all three of those. Um, I think teams around the league, teams, people that run sites like ours are all going to be doing strength of schedule posts, I would imagine, because uh, it's an easy thing, uh, especially if you're one of the teams that's going to be aggrieved uh, to complain about. Um, Personally, I would rather them just play 37 games and deal with fitting the three extra games in. Um, See, I don't like 37 games because it gives you, it gives some teams one more home game than others. When you have an yeah. odd number of games, like that, just make it 38 or 36, like, or, I mean, or yeah, go with fine. three divisions. It doesn't fix the problem because you're still not playing someone at that point. I mean, you, you have can go to go to, to 38. You can go to um, three conferences. You can go to four conferences, which they're going to probably uh, need to do eventually. I don't think either of those solves this year's problems. They it may does. solve next year's problems. No, three conferences. I mean, the conferences won't all be even. Like you'll have one extra team, but that's also something MLS has done before. They had an extra team in the East and Um, it's just, you play an extra cross conference game. That's it. It's a lot more simple than saying this team's not going to play these three teams this year. Yeah. I just, I think they should have prioritized every team in the league should play every other team at least once. Um, I think that should have been a priority and it just, it wasn't the priority was clearly, um, we have these two teams coming in. Um, the priority is probably just we have to keep expanding. Um, right. Yeah, yeah exactly. That, that's the thing. That's like, it's the greed of these teams are coming in and we must get them in as soon as possible. So uh, we're just going to fuck up our schedule and just figure it out. So yeah, uh, they could have waited on introducing more teams or introduced teams in a way that made more sense for their alignments, but they chose not to. Yeah, I I understand that. Like bringing, if you're going to expand, which MLS obviously has made the decision to do, it makes sense to bring teams in when they are ready and willing to go. Like if if there's a team that wants to, that's paying $200 million, you're not going to tell them, wait two years till we're ready for you. Like that money is burning a hole and they, they want to start making money uh, on, on that investment. And that's, that's fine, but you can, change the alignment really easily. And it's not like there's centuries of tradition in this two conference alignment. Um, I mean, in the last decade, they actually had a full double round Robin balance schedule for like two years. And it was this, you know, the, the clouds parted, the sun shone through angels saying um, it was a very lovely harmony. And, and then it moved on and people talked about it being the end of the world. And it wasn't, it's just, it was annoying. And this is more annoying than that was to my mind. Um, there are like, I went through and you guys can see, I I'm like from, I can't even remember his name. The guy from always sunny. Um, you're, you're, you're doing a, a tra- Pepe Sylvia situation. Yeah. Um, I have, I have strings connecting different things. I have like three different potential alignments that I've drawn up. Uh, there's like they're they're and, really and natural sorry, ways. We've we've been fired from the company already. Oh. That's how the, that's how the scene ends, Ben. Uh, they, they've already been fired. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. The whole conversation is that Mac is there to tell Charlie that they might get fired, um, and Charlie, in his conspiracy theory, has already been fired and is ignoring that because he's still trapped in uh, trying to figure out who Pepe Sylvia is. That's it. Anyway, I when we were warming up for the show, 
tonight. I I just jotted down three different alignments that the that MLS could use, and they all break into natural geographic divisions that. Ben, to your earlier point, do not involve teams that are well west of other teams being labeled as more east. So okay. you dismissed solves, that earlier, but okay. I know. I'm saying this this various alignments that can solve for that as well as all these other things. And I did it in like five minutes. I don't know why MLS like just They weren't interested. They weren't. And they, it bothers they, that's me. really what it is. Because the thing is the league is capable of solving this problem. They chose not to solve it. And yeah. That, I mean, well, more than anything, that's what bothers me is that they made a choice to not solve the problem. It's yeah. It, it seems like they don't think it's a problem. They don't, or, or they, or if they do, they just don't think it's worth dealing with. It's just, well, we have to choose one problem or the other, and we're going to choose this yeah. one. And that's that. And Cause they probably think like, Oh, it'll be different in two years. And that sucks. And it um, will like, and that's fine. you it's not fine. Address. I mean, it'll, it will be your different. whole your whole point of this thing is that it's not fine. No, no, no. I'm saying the fact that it'll be different in two years is fine. You deal with it. You you yeah, solve the, the league, that problem when it comes. Changing something in the format every single year. Um, this is why to go back to when Adam mentioned the time where everyone played everyone twice and that was it. When we moved on, it sucked, but it was also like, ah, it's just, you know, the league has had so many formats at this point. I'm, I don't have it in me to get mad, too mad about this one. I, I don't like it, but it's not the end of the world. Um, right. And this will be another, and, but it's like, we keep dealing with it. And this was one where it didn't have to be to this degree. Right. Um, one of the things that Don Garber harped on, and I think correctly in this one rare instance, when the team, when the league went away from that really truly balanced schedule is that travel in MLS is brutal, um, more brutal than any league in the world. And if you have a truly balanced schedule, that means every team is going to Vancouver. Every team is going to Seattle. Every team is going to New England and Montreal and Orlando and LA. And that's a lot of travel. And if you break it down into geographic divisions, you're reducing that travel. Even if it's not by, you know, you're not cutting it in half or anything, but you're still cutting it by a significant amount, thousands of miles over the course of the year and making Nashville go across the country, making, you know, Orlando city, go to Chicago, Miami, go to Chicago and Montreal and all that. You can cut that travel down too, which improves the quality of the league. It reduces injuries. It's just taking another step to solve all the problems Don Garber has highlighted (laughs) publicly over the years and the league the league just has no interest in doing it and i i don't understand why that is and it bothers me uh and i said i would spend more time on this than anybody wanted to (laughs) and i see ben leaning away from his camera so i think i i have fulfilled my promise the the thing is we're always going to run into problems with mls there's the quote from earlier today from mark dos santos getting getting fined for saying that the league's the the length of break between the end of the season and the start of the next season was Mickey Mouse in his words. Um and on one hand he's right. It is too long. Their break sucks. It's it's too long. It's not good for developing good teams or players. Um on the other hand, geography, um the realities of North American geography, there is no time there's no time of year that we can put the schedule that allows it to work in the way we want it to work because the United States it's exists and, and Canada exist in too many geography spheres. The country is too big. Um, the venues so we of should it, regionalized venue, more. 
well, at the time, right, you know, we started the thing is where you you look at back at where you got in at and where you got in at, you didn't have to. You only had 10 teams. And then at one point it was even fewer. Um, so, you know, the, where you start at leads to some strange outcomes, especially when you're concocting a league on the fly, which MLS has always been doing um, and maybe always will be doing. Um, I don't know that we're ever going to come to a day where it's like this is settled. Because you've heard about assembling the aircraft in flight. This is reassembling, taking it apart, putting it back together. And and some years we're just, you know, moving some seats around. And some years we're like, maybe the, maybe the plane needs a third wing. I don't know. Um, or and, we've been flying with one wing this whole time. Right, <laughs> we just realized one, it. Or we find out that there's like literally no one, no one in the cockpit. It's like, what do you mean? We flew the entire season. There's no pilot. Like, oh, my God. Um, but yeah, th- this is just another. It's irritating. And it, it signals to me that the league has priorities that the, I certainly don't have. Um, and it's going to be, it's harmful to the supporter shield, um, which I want to credit um, Pablo Maurer and Paul Tenorio did a report a little while ago in the athletic um, that uh, I think I quote tweeted it. If you scroll through my, if you feel like scrolling through my tweets, um, it's recent. Just do, a Google, uh, just do a Google search. It'll be easier. Uh, do, do their links come up on Google? I think so. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, they wrote it. Um, and it's about, it, they got their hands on an internal consultants report to the league. And one of the major things that the consultants were, uh, told the league to do was like devalue the supporter shield to such an extent that I believe the league was told by the consultants to not even talk about it on broadcasts uh, or on the league site. Now the league to their credit, still talked about the supporter shield. They talked about it extensively. They hi- they employ people who are actually um, supporter shield truthers who actually rate it as valuable as MLS cup or perhaps even more valuable. Um, so they have not adopted that wholesale, but this move unquestionably devalues the supporter shield um, because of the strength of schedule issue. It, it has amplified something that was already there um, to such an extent that now that winning that, unless you've, you know, if you're LAFC and you win the league by 10 points or whatever, then okay. Um, there aren't any questions, but if it's close, if it's like within three points, all of a sudden we have it a real problem. Turns it into college football in the nineties, which right. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they want the conversation about it. People are talking about it at no that like point. College, I don't know. College That's football a, in the nineties, Adam. <laughs> um, yeah, I still don't understand what the league is doing here, and perhaps I never will. We're going to take a quick break, though. We will be right back to talk about cake or death. Stick around. It's filibuster. All right. Say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh, to assert your rights. In that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly, uh, or, or or something worse happens, Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right, and your rights matter, and you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, If you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or, or 
something to to that effect. If you uh, if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government, call the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, if you want a free consultation, tell them we sent you. Go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. It is time now for a little segment or not so little segment. We like to call cake or death. Um, it is our season review in which we decide whether we want in whatever universe we choose to live in. Uh, we would like a player to return to DC United, in which case we're giving them cake, or uh, we would like to send them on their way, in which case we give them death. Um it's pretty You're aggro going, to say death. It is super aggro, and I've gotten you know less comfortable is, with it. Maybe we should just say f- uh, goat or fox instead. Right, like a, an intuitive system like goat or fox in- <laughs> indicates to people much more. It's far I less aggro I, than death. Adam, you say you intuitive death. <laughs> the original a fox, a cuddly fox, a consolation fox, or a championship goat. None of this makes sense. The original <laughs> version that Martin, the founder of Black and Red United, the original thing just he as did little sense was, I think, a reference to an old local sports no show one knows. here, and and it was River or Life, which yeah, no one knows. Similar, and I decided to make it an Eddie Izzard reference instead, and eventually on the site it just became season reviews, but. Uh, listeners of the podcast and longtime readers still say cake or death. Some of them have adopted your. Most of them say goat or fox. I don't. I would not say most. Um, the what? The ones that have their heads on straight are saying goat or fox. The ones that I, don't want to impart again, death I wouldn't on say that. Players say goat or fox. It's obviously metaphorical. Nothing is obvious. Adam, 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 wait. <laughs> Nothing is obviously a metaphor in this year of our Lord 2019. Do you guys remember? This might be why I'm less comfortable with it. As we could. <laughs> I do. I remember that conversation we had immediately before starting like the segment. Three minutes ago. <laughs> I don't know how long ago it was now. Time does Ten ceases years. to exist. It's 2019. This year has lasted eight years. Anyway, right, first go. up, first up, a name we will be able to handle with very quickly. Goat. Luciano Acosta. Very simple. Uh, you know, didn't run into any problems this year, kept up his 2018 form. Um, I, I, none of that is true. Uh, Lucho Acosta definitely had a, a down year, started with a transfer that fell through to Paris Saint-Germain, uh, you know, just a little club nobody's ever heard of. Um, came in, started the season really well for the first two or three weeks, and then along with the rest of DC United, uh, fell into the abyss. And by the end of the year, Lucho was not starting and not getting into a lot of games. Um, and when he was getting into games, wasn't always making it clear that he, that, that Ben Olsen had made a mistake in benching him. Um, we know for a fact he's gone. He's, he said his goodbyes to, to fans. We don't know where he's going to end up yet. It could be somewhere else in MLS. It could be uh, a lower league in Europe. It could be, China or the Middle East. We don't know. I feel um, like MLS is unlikely, but I mean, if a, if a team wants to trade it, for him, I know we, we've heard DC United possible. would. Yeah. But, but yeah, the, yeah, DC United would be like, give us all the things. Right. So yeah, it's, it's unlikely, but possible basically. Sure. Um, 
the little guy, as as my five year old likes to call him, will not be back at DC United wherever he ends up. And I still have to tell her that I still haven't done it. Um, so, given what we know about his 2018, his 2019, Ben, would you want Lucho back for 2020, cake or death? I think I think I give him Fox. I, uh, I think that. Given all that has happened, given the uh, PSG thing, given uh, his performance this year, I think it's time to move on. So I think I give him Fox. I think uh, they try and find somebody who can replace him. And, you know, that's always a difficult situation. And they may fall flat on their faces and not be able to replace him. And then I also look like an idiot. But... uh, my gut right now is you you had to let Lucho go uh, because the PSG thing didn't work out. Whoever's fault that is, it's been endlessly litigated on the internet and we'll never know exactly whose fault it was because we'll never know the particulars of what was said in the various rooms. Uh, but I think it is time for both sides to move on and both sides to try something new. So. I love Lucho. I want him. I wish him all the best, all the success in the world. But for DC United, I say Fox. I think uh, Ben kind of nails it on the head. Um, I think the relationship between Acosta and Olsen has been severed to the point that it's not sustainable. Um, I wouldn't expect things to just suddenly get right uh, if he were to come back for next season. Um I think the fact that the the club's offer to him sort of um, it never really, they, there was a certain point where they're like, we're not offering any more than this. Um, and the, the, the way this season played out was pretty rough for Lucho. Um, six goals and two assists is just not enough um, from him. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and then I am, rumoredly like 2.5 million to 3 million a year before the season. Right. Well, um, and in the middle of the season. Yeah. And, you know, at a certain point, you've got to accept that um, it's not going to work. You know, a talented player might just not work in a certain place. Um, and some of that is certainly on Olsen uh, and on DC United as a whole, um, how they handle things. Uh, yep. But I don't think you can put all of it on them um, because Lucho still as much as that's a difficult, the PSG thing is a difficult thing to get over. And we knew at the time we knew right when that was playing itself out during that, like 36 hours that all of that happened in, which uh, I still hadn't gotten over. Um, But we knew that that was one way or another, that was going to be a a determinative moment in the season. And it was Um, Lucho's head was never quite the same. Um, I don't know how much of that is on him or management or what, but I know that both, both sides of that equation have some of the responsibility. Um, And I will say I'm going to run out of time on tabulating all of it. But um, one thing I have kind of noticed over the years that is a little troubling to me about Lucho, as much as he's um, justifiably really well-liked within the fan base, um, people are really upset to see him go and really would rather have tossed out the decision makers at the team and kept him in, in a lot of cases, uh, depending on who you talk to, um, around the fan base. Um, but one thing that has troubled me over a while now is that, um, 
Lucho does most of his work at home. He doesn't really get it done on the road. Uh, and I've been while while Adam was introducing this and while Ben was talking, I went through and it was actually uh, jotting down. I'm waving my pen around because I was jotting down his uh, actual stats on the road this past year, 2019, two goals, zero assists in road games, <clears throat> 2018, zero goals, seven assists in road games. Um, in 2017, it wasn't much better. I didn't finish 2017, but it, it wasn't going to be anything impressive. It was going to be in line with those numbers, if not slightly lower than 2018. So um, there's there's an issue there because you half of your games are road games. And if you're, getting, if you're paying a player to be a star, and that's a position where DC United needs a star player, um, it can't just be at home. It's got to be both. Um, so... I it sucks that he's not going to be that star because I think it would have been an extraordinarily fun few years um, if he had stuck around and had become uh, potentially a club icon. Um, but it's not going to happen. And it really it's frustrating um, and it's sad. But I, I would say let him go. I think it's got to be Fox. Yeah, I, I don't think if you're paying a guy DP wages or, or uh, high TAM level wages, and he's not starting for you. It's it's hard to justify, um, especially at that that ten spot. Like you built the team around him. He's one of two guys that you built the the team around, and he's not on the field. Um, you have to either find a way to get him on the field or or move him on. And he didn't want to agree to a deal early in the year when he was performing. He wanted to keep his options open and. This is this is kind of how it goes. It sucks. I wanted him to be a club legend. Like, um, obviously, like my five year old loving Lucho so much and identifying him with the club was is a part of that. But I mean, Lucho had so much swag. He was so much fun. He just did shit out there that no one else on the team was capable of, and made it look fun. And when he was on, made it look easy. And that's that's cool and that's fun. And the team was winning for a spell there too, which is just the best thing in the world to just go out and embarrass people and beat them is like, there's, there's not a lot that's better in sports than doing that. And he was capable of doing it, but not regularly and ongoing. So yeah, um, got to move on from him and moving on to, to Joseph Mora left back. Um, low key uh linchpin player for for DC United. I mean this not, year. not low key to people who listen to this podcast or read our website. It's true. Um when he got hurt, that's when the the season went off the rails. And when he got back, that's when the team started getting results again. It's really that simple. It's it's bizarrely simple how how that correlation works out. Um because not a lot is simple. And obviously the team was very different in the beginning of the year and the end of the year, but Joseph Mora was was the constant. Jason, cake or death for the left back? Uh easy. This is a goat. Um Mora is one of the best left backs in the league. Um never mind that Bobby Warshaw did not list him in his top five, I don't think. He listed um, no DC United players in any top five, including Bill Hamid. Right, which is preposterous. Um, sorry, Bobby, but you're not sorry. Um, yeah, Mora is one of the top five left backs in the league. MLS is a notoriously short league on left backs. DC has a good one. You keep that guy. Go uh, if he asks for more money, you probably have to give him a raise. I agree. Uh, it's got to be cake. He 
he's improved going forward. He's not a guy who's like, he's able to recycle the ball, which is what DC United needed. He can hit in a cross when he needs to. Um, but again, the team should not rely on crosses exclusively. They are a, generally a dead end in except in special circumstances. Uh, he's great at the emergency tackle. Like there aren't a lot of players who can make a sliding tackle on the run around the edge of the box and win the ball as regularly as he does um, in that position. His positioning has gotten better um, and he's, he's able to beat guys on the dribble going forward, which sometimes you need. And yeah, he's bring him back, sign him up, keep him around. Yeah, he's uh, like y'all said, he's good in the attack. He can uh, whip in a good cross uh, as good as any DC United fullback that they've had for a while. Um, he can also body up a uh, defense, uh, an attacker. He's he's not a center back level, but he's approaching that. He's 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 a good defensive player. And if he hadn't got his jaw broken by uh, Orlando City, I he would have shown that uh, throughout the year. But he is good at getting his body into defensive positions, and he can. Uh, make things happen there as well. So he's a really good player. He's getting national team call-ups and you've got to spend the money to keep him. So he's a goat. I just realized two of the three alignments I drew up that I had mentioned in the last segment put Orlando in a different division than DC United. I may have been subconsciously trying to protect Joseph Mora. Or Uh, just get rid of Orlando. I mean, they're still there. They exist in, in they these don't. alignments. I don't, I don't know if that's true, Adam. They're in last they place in these alignments, but they exist. Um, they have 14 points from 30 games. It's, it's not good. Um, next up on the list, Frederick Briant, um, French center back, came in uh, last year, was, was steady at the back. He's getting on in age, though. He's, what, 33 now? Is that right? 34? Oh, 35. He's he already be- 35? He'll be 35 next year. Yeah. 34 now. Okay. Um, What do you think, Ben? Cake or death? I I wrote the article about him. I give him uh, cake because he had a great year in 2018. He had a great year uh, this past year. Uh, Obviously, it's questionable because, like, when center backs go off a cliff, they go off a cliff. And there are a bunch of comps of smart players who rely on smarts and not their physicality who have gone off a, a cliff in MLF the same time he has. You can look at Chad Marshall or Bobby Boswell, but he had a better year this year than Bobby Boswell did in his last uh, uh, DC United year. So I think you keep him around. I don't know if you start him next year. That's a conversation for uh, next preseason, but. I think you keep him around, and uh, my preference is for Donovan Pines to beat him out. But if Frederick Briant beats out Donovan Pines, I think that means that Frederick Briant did a good job at beating Donovan Pines out. So I say some of that's on Pines, right? Yeah, exactly. Pines has to beat him out, right? Exactly. So I give him, I give him uh, a goat. It's it's. A little questionable. It's a little. It's a little anxiety inducing, but I still go with it. I I'm a little sympathetic to arguments that 
the makeup of DC United center backs being Burnbaum and Briant, not the n- neither of whom is is really going to beat you with a, a a pass or with speed forces DC United. To, I mean, Burnbaum's athletic, I guess, but the their partnership almost forces DC United to sit a little deeper, and when they do that, they're not as dangerous on the counter. I don't know if that's if I totally believe that, but as Briant gets up there in age and loses a step, it it makes some sense. I want Pines to beat him out, but the way he played this year, you got to bring Briant back almost. Um, so cake for me. Um, this one's pretty easy. Um, Briant this past year made uh, his guaranteed salary is three hundred thousand. Um, I think it's safe to assume that DC probably offered him lower than that, but not by a lot. We're talking about a small reduction in pay based on age. Um, that's that's a deal that hasn't been confirmed yet, but the fact that he went to Bermuda um, while technically not under contract says a lot. Uh, you don't go play that game if you're not coming back. Um, Unless you're Antonio Bustamante. Uh, yeah, um, which I, I don't know if that decision was made after that or what. But, um, and we still don't know that for sure. With Briant, at least, um, you know the, the the price point is not exorbitant. Three hundred thousand is not what it used to be. Um, I think sometimes when we talk about MLS players, um, this happened with the Dominic uh, Baji trade to Nashville. Um, the figures that used to be a big deal aren't really a big deal. Um, the cap has expanded a lot. It, it's expanded faster than maybe people realize. So the price isn't a bother to me. Um, his 2019, I thought, was excellent. Um, I, I thought Burnbaum was best 11, um, but Ber- uh, Briant wasn't far behind him. Um, the fact that he he kept his spot in the lineup, despite I mean, Pines played pretty well when he got his chances. Um, Briant kept his, his spot in the lineup on merit, um, and that's not easy to do. That wouldn't have happened on most teams. So um, that's really impressive to me. And, and if if they have a competition and Pines wins the job, that's still that's kind of the idea. You, we don't want the situation to be one where we get rid of Briant and Pines walks into the job. Um, and also, if someone gets hurt, you know, Steve Birnbaum has an unfortunate concussion history that we have to worry about um, with his style of play. Um, you don't want to turn to the bench and be like, "Oh, we've only got these guys that were just filling the roster." We want starting quality players stepping in. That's the idea. Um, so yeah, the worst case scenario for me is that Briant. Maybe he loses his spot because he loses half a step, but he's still able to contribute in the games he plays. So, um, yeah, uh, keep him, keep give him goat. Um, and uh, I don't know of a French goat dish, so I'm going to uh, drop that one. I couldn't think of anything. Chevair. <laughs> there you go. Do you mean Chev? Maybe. I don't know. Chevair? Chev is how it's pronounced. <laughs> anyway, Ulysses Segura next on the list. Uh, Costa Rican jack of all trades um, came in last year in 2018 and and started off playing central midfield before it became clear that he he's not as good there as he is out on the wing where he is a I think it's fair to call him an infuriating player sometimes because he has the ability to contribute throughout the game and then sometimes he just doesn't. Um, but then in those games when he doesn't, he those are when he scores goals. It's bizarre. 
watching Ulysses Segura. Like the the number of games this year in 2019 where I was watching him and thinking he's no place on the field. Anytime I thought that he scored a goal within five minutes, it's I don't understand it. Um, but a valuable player was starting down the stretch for for Ben Olsen, um, which is, you know, as we talked about, Lucho not starting, that's a, a big deal. Um, but he was able to allow Paul Areola to move inside into that 10 spot, play it as kind of an advanced destroyer, and Segura manning the wing, uh, playing two ways out there on the right. Jason, cake or death for Uli Segura? Uh, it's goat with a caveat. And the caveat is that his role on the team needs to be reduced um, to more of a role player. Um, I don't mind that he subs in most games, but I want him subbing in as um, fresh legs or to grind out road games, that kind of thing. I don't want him starting um, because ultimately as much as his positives, there, there are plenty of positives, but the the end product has not been there. And I think we have enough data now to say it's probably not coming. He's probably not going to become an ace finisher all of a sudden. He's not going to get 10, 15 assists. Um, he's not going to have a high um, XG or XA or combined. He's not going to provide that. Um, and so United, a team that struggled, uh, had one of the worst offenses in the league, the worst attack to make the playoffs, needs to get better. And yes, they have Yamil Assad coming in. Um so they already did things to line up to get better, but I, I want to see one more goal dangerous attacking wide man in the in the mix and have Segura be more of the uh defensive wide man option. Um so I want to keep him. I think he's the cap hit is fine. His role within the team just needs to be adjusted. It, I- I don't know whether to say cake or death because I, I agree with you that he, he he can be a valuable piece on a good team. Um, he just needs to get fewer minutes uh, because he needs to be beaten out for that spot. And the next guy we're going to talk about is, is going to have something to say about that. But also there's been rumors or reports on Twitter that DC United is open to offers for him. And if you can get another player in that spot, whether it's um, whether it's a more goal dangerous winger, like Jason mentioned, or whether it's depth at another spot or a starting right back or something um, or, or someone who could help out there. Um, I could see that, but for now I'll, I'll say cake and pass it on to Ben. I think this is a clear cut example of what we have often called the standard. Uh, I think that, as DC United's standard of play moves up, I think Ulysses Segura is now the the standard, the player who is the uh, the the median of whether or not this is a acceptable player to be starting on a regular basis for DC United. And I feel like going into this off season, it is a no. And if he is a somewhat spot starters and mostly a sub in the last 10 minutes, then maybe it's fine to have him. But I think the team needs a better first sub off the bench than Ulysses Segura. So I give him Fox. Next up Griffin Yao, who I think is going to pretty easily get cake from all of us Um, scored loud United's first ever goal. 
um, homegrown player, uh, still a teenager playing with the, the youth national team. Um, and, you know, I think scoring goals for them and maybe even wearing the armband for them at one point. Um, good young player. I think uh, the question in the, the season review post on the site was, where do you want to see him next year? Because it, there's no controversy about whether he should stay in the organization. The question is whether he should be getting regular minutes week in and week out, dominating the USL at Loudoun United, or whether he should be fighting for playing time at DC United. And Ben, I'm curious what your position on that is. I think he needs minutes. I want him, I want him to be on DC United, but I, I don't think it's going to happen this next year. Or so I want him to be starting every game for Loudon. So that, I think that's where I end up. Jason. Uh, I'm with Ben. Um, I, I tried for most of the year to keep track. I, I kind of ran out of steam at the end um, to keep track of some of the underlying data um, from USL matches. Um, they have a match tracker that's kind of similar to MLS's. Um, and one of the things I noticed is that uh, Yao chooses the dribble a lot. We're talking like eight to 10 times a game in, in some instances, and his success rate isn't quite there yet. Um, and so I, I think there's some refining. I bring it up because it's about refinement. If he can up that success rate, even just one more dribble per game and lower the number of times he's going with it a few times, um, I think he becomes more dangerous um, because he makes better decisions uh, because attacks keep going rather than him choosing uh, to go it alone, uh, which I think is the issue is that he's kind of putting himself in spots where he ends up going it alone. And he might, it, with just a little bit of refinement, um, start to pick better spots and start to be more selective and become more effective uh, as the outcome. Um, so I, I think in 2021, I want to see him pushing someone out of, uh, out of the regular lineup, um, for DC, but for 2020, I think if he's a leader with Loudon, if he's a regular goal scorer with Loudon for hearing about him a lot and looking at highlights, cause he produced some highlights this year, um, Hell, make, him some bangers. The, make him the captain. Why not? Give uh, him that I mean, responsibility. If he earns it, yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know how Ryan Martin wants to run that kind of thing. Um, right. I, I'm also just, I'm in uh, captain's armband. I, I think it's a piece of fabric. It's not actually as nearly as important as not that, not to say that you guys are, but more generally, there's an idea about the captaincy that I don't really rate. Sure, but give it to a 17 year old that it, 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 I, whatever Ryan Martin wants to do. I, I trust Ryan yeah, Martin, whatever but, he wants but, to do. My, my point is that what I want to see is that he, I want him to be, not just a guy in the attack that starts. I want him to be a factor the in guy. games week in, week out. Um, if he's not absolutely the guy, he should at least be regularly one of the guys um, where it should be like, yeah, Yao did it again, another assist, another goal, something like that. Um, that's what I want to see out of him. Um, but I also, you know, if DC has an injury or a suspension or an international, a game that happens where the internationals are away, something like that, Give him if he's playing well enough, he's earning it. Put him in the eighteen, and if you need a goal, put him in the game. Um, yeah. That's what I want to see his twenty twenty role should be uh, mostly with Loudon, but if he needs to be with DC, play him with DC. Yeah, that's where I am as well. Um, I want him dominating USL and and 
I want the conversation to be like Ben Olsen has to bring him to the first team. Hopefully it'll part of that conversation will be that Yamil Assad and Paul Ariola and hopefully TT Rodriguez are tearing it up so much on the wings for DC United that there's a reason Yao isn't being pulled in, but I want, I want them all to be just wildly successful. And I, I know that's a hot take to want that, but like <laughs> that is a, that is me way out on a limb. Adam, uh, yeah, Adam wants all of DC United's good players to play good. Yeah, I want DC United to win games, which I know that's that's a controversial opinion among fans. We're going to be so mad. <laughs> Our listeners are going to be mad online at me and only me. Um, no, but I I agree with you guys. I think if if TT's away with Argentina's youth national team, if Ariel is away with the the USM, there's going to be opportunities for Yao to come in for a spot start or or to fill in uh, a spot on the bench from time to time but I don't want him sitting on the bench waiting to get in and maybe getting 10 minutes here 15 minutes there I want him getting lots and lots of minutes and getting those reps and refining his play as Jason said um, I think that's best for him it's best for the organization as well and I think with the the potential depth United is hopefully going to have going into 2020 that's the best case for everyone is for him to be getting those reps at Loudon until he's needed or, or, you know, forces his way into uh, the first team. You know, this, this last name on the list is uh, I think an easy and uncontroversial one. We'll be able to dispense with it very quickly. Lightning round. Um, not going to go that far because I'm lying right now. The name is Felipe Martins. <laughs> Uh, longtime bugaboo for for DC United fans. Um, best remembered for injuring uh, Fabiana Spindola on the kickoff of a game. Um, Spindola retaliated later, got a suspension from it. Martins faced no punishment, uh, in- including not even a foul being called on the play, or maybe a foul, but no card on the play. It was. I don't even think a foul was called. It was a long time ago. Okay. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> we don't need to talk uh, about it. He, he moved around, obviously spent time with the Red Bulls, uh, has been a thorn in the side of everybody he's ever played against. And now he's doing that for DC United. And um, Jason got into this some, but he, he's, he contains multitudes. Felipe is a land of contrasts. Um where where when he's off the field he seems like the most jovial friendly human being on the planet but when he's on the field he's a goddamn son of a bitch and uh he will try to mess with your mind just as much as Quincy Ameriqua will and he will kick you a little bit and he knows the dark arts and knows how to do it when the referee's not looking um thankfully there was a little less of the ankle breaking tackles that we've occasionally seen from him in the past this year uh, when he was with United, but uh, he's, he's still Felipe. He's still who he is. He's just doing it for, for Ben Olsen's team now. So Jason, the question is cake or death. So this one's tough because um, you know, once you get past all the, the other stuff with Felipe, there's just the sheer fact that we're, we're talking about a guy that, is filling in like Chris Durkin is in Belgium in part because DC could acquire Felipe and fill that spot in the roster with Felipe. Um, Felipe 
this year DC didn't have to carry most of his cat or his cap hit. This year we're talking about half a million. It's just under the TAM threshold um, for a cap hit, which is an awful lot. Um, it's almost worth playing, paying him a little bit more just so you can buy him down. Well, and the thing is, if you're if you're a defensive midfielder in the league and you're making half a million, you need to be dominant. It needs to be noticeable that you're there rather than the average guy uh, that's that you're keeping on the bench. Um, it needs to be noticeable when you're absent. And I thought Felipe was fine, but he wasn't dominant. It wasn't, you know, if you swapped him out for a Junior Moreno clone, I don't think I would have noticed much of a difference. Um, and we're also talking about a team that has Junior Moreno and Russell Canals. Um, now, as uh, Ryan Kiefer pointed out in writing up the Felipe situation, there's a Copa America. Junior Moreno is a regular starter for Venezuela. Safe to expect that he's going to miss some time this year for that. Um, so DC can't just jettison another defensive midfielder and then be like, oh, what do we do? Um, that's not that's not a good way to go about things. So um, they're going to need a player of Felipe's qualities and his background. Uh, but are they going to need him at that price point? I don't know. Um, I also don't think we got the best of Felipe in 2018 or tw- I'm sorry, 2019, either for Vancouver or for DC. Um, I'm hopeful that he can kind of rebound a little because it's not like he's getting old. He's still only in his late twenties, um, which is wild. Uh, he came yeah. here very early. Um, uh, Felipe's story is, is interesting. I'm not going to get into it, but he no. left Brazil at 15. Um, so he's been doing this for a while. He bounced um, around Europe for a while too, before coming okay. to MLS. Um, he's got some added value in that he speaks like five languages um, so he's one of those guys that could be valuable in ways that we don't necessarily see. Um, I, I think DC is in a spot where they have to keep him, uh, at this point, they've got too many other things to, uh, address, uh, especially on the attacking side of the ball, um, to have to also deal with that. Um, but I would really wish that e- we're either, we either need to see a performance of the level commensurate with the salary or we need to see that salary come down because it's that's too much to spend on what the team got in 2019. So it's it's goat, but uh, you know, I it, if it ended up being Fox, I wouldn't really raise too much of a stink. Ben, yeah, I uh, I agree with all of that, and I'm ready to end this episode. <laughs> um. I, yeah, I, I think Jason said, said just about all of it. Um, I, I think it is worth just like Felipe played hard for DC United and, and straight up said, yes, the fans are right to not like me when he got here. He's like, I deserve that reputation and I'm, my job now is to win them over. And there were a couple of times when I was like cheering for Felipe in spite of myself and, you know, kudos to him for, for doing the work and, um, you know, trying to win us over and, you know, making us see him as a, a human being for all his, uh, highs and lows. Um, I think Jason's right though. He got to keep him around right now, but he's got to produce more. Um, especially since I think at their best junior Moreno and Russell Canals are the starters on this team. Um, so, Felipe needs to push them and needs to perform when he's 
in when one of them is out or squad rotation has to happen. Um, and, and also no, don't, don't break people, please. I don't like that. That's it for this show. Unless you guys want to, you know, no, dive it. deep into Wait, any other no, topics. It, uh, thank you all for listening. Find us at black and red united.com. Uh, we're also on Patreon. If you want to support us financially, patreon.com slash filibuster is the place to do that. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter at filibusterdcu for the podcast at black and red U for the website. Um, download, rate, review, subscribe, whatever else, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, I'm told ratings and reviews are very helpful, especially on Apple. So please help us out with that. Mostly though, tell a friend about the show. Whenever you are, uh, find yourself talking about soccer, just drop our names in and, and maybe we'll get a new listener out of it. And you'll have someone to talk about this podcast with everybody wins in that situation. It, It works out nicely for Jason and Ben. I'm Adam and we'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Goodbye. Yeah.